0: This podcast is being recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nations, and the Bindal people of Thulgari Waja, and the Wulgurukaba people of Karambilbara, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. We acknowledge that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures across this continent have gender systems and gender identities that are not constrained by the colonial concept of gender. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. In the well, heat I of, know, it was I the of the Shut up.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Loud Angry and Not Sorry, where we talk about news, current events and politics from a feminist perspective. My name is Leah. With me we have Carly. Hi. And Stephanie is back with us again. Welcome, Steph. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> You're always so hesitant to talk. <laughs> I just it- <laughs> Are we scared? No,
2: I just, it reminds me of, of meetings where they introduce everybody. Like, I oh, i wouldn't, I have flashbacks to terrible corporate meetings where where it's like, and there's this person. Say hi. Why?
0: <laughs> <laughs> say hi for the camera. <laughs> and we have a new student in class today. Everyone say hello. I think Teacher. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes. Because we're going to get schooled. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, how was how was your week, Steph?
2: We're on Cyclone Watch again.
1: Oh, good. Oh, yeah. What are we naming this one?
2: Don't know. Um,
1: I, I guess from being down in Victoria, like, we don't get Cyclone, so it's always like, ooh, what's this one called? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why is it called what it's called?
1: I think it, doesn't it go through the alphabet? Yeah.
2: There's a list, there's the list of names that they, um, that they agree upon. The list yeah. of
1: names. Mm.
2: It's the look.
1: I wonder if you said them in like a certain way or like with a certain rhythm, would you like summon a demon or something? Oh, maybe it would be
0: like the emergency code to just shut down the entire patriarchy because it's all women's names. They're always named after women.
2: They try and go for boy names and then girl names in alternating.
0: Ah, okay, all right. Yeah. There's more. There's more equality in the naming of <laughs> the cyclones than there is in the Australian government. Yep.
2: Got nothing to add to that.
0: (laughs) Should we just move on to the news? Well, how are you doing, Leah? Me. Oh, I'm a hot mess. Oh my god, me too. (laughs) Uh, Great.
1: No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to think of what I've been doing and I can't remember. Like, you know, there was invasion day. Yes. That was that was a time. That was I don't know. I never know how to describe Invasion Day because I marshal Mm. so I don't know. How the rally was. Was the rally good? I hear it was good.
0: Yeah, the um, speeches were absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. I have a few quotes here from Lydia Thorpe that I wanted to share because her speech, everyone's speeches were fantastic, but um, in typical press style I can really only find quotes from the politician, not from yeah. the other people who spoke. Yeah, Federal Green Senator Lydia Thorpe, a Gunai Gunditjmara and Japurung woman, uh, got up to speak on Invasion Day in Melbourne at the start of the rally. And some of the quotes... Oh, Sorry, this is so awkward. And anyway, she said, We still have guns pointed to our heads. We have boots on our necks. 10-year-old babies are being locked up in this country. Is that something to celebrate? Why are people having barbecues and shrimps on the barbie and celebrating the death and destruction of the oldest continuing living culture in the world? She said that aside from COVID, we also have a much wider spread and historically more significant pandemic of racism in Australia that we need to eradicate because it's killing Indigenous Australians. (sighs) Yes, incredibly powerful uh and then the two singers possibly dancers because I, I couldn't see i was too far back to see what was happening we there was a song that was sung while everyone did a heartbeat on their chest and that sound yeah. was just hearing thousands of people thump against their chest like that with minimal background city noise it was so powerful it was so moving yeah. And then there was also the uh, – there was an, a few rallies around Australia, but the one in Sydney was making news. I was seeing tweets about it as I was at the rally in Melbourne waiting to march uh, because because of the number of people you were allowed to have in a gathering in Sydney. Um, the people in charge of the protest were told that it was going to be illegal and it couldn't go ahead, and in the end they came to an agreement where they could have a portion of the rally, but they couldn't do the march. And mm. I saw ABC reported 3,000 people in attendance. Yeah, so it's just – it's interesting that Sydney wanted to come down so hard on a protest when the cricket could still happen. And by interesting, <laughs> of course, I mean racist. But um, – <laughs> and considering Melbourne actually had stricter rules, we had gatherings of 100 and the we had – workarounds like i'm not saying vic Poland and melbourne and victoria in general are better at racism than new south wales they're not we all suck but under Barry it was pretty awful to see some of the things that were coming out and how disappointed a lot of the people were that they couldn't do the march but apparently it was still very moving and great rally that they could hold in i think it was a park in king's domain in sydney weren't fuck arrested what i read on the abc was there were four arrests but they weren't part of the protest and that's all they're saying
1: oh oh, that's right it was like someone that was like an
0: rv style podcaster shit liquor yeah from what i could gather afterwards yeah it's nothing it's not nothing to do with the rally but it wasn't protesters Mm. yeah
1: yeah i think um like in Melbourne anyway, we haven't really... I mean, RV keeps trying it on and it's just like he's a he's a teeny tiny little racist. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. no one takes him seriously. He's such a joke. He must just be purely fueled by ego and narcissism at this stage that he keeps showing up.
0: Mm-hmm. And so just to finish up the chats about Invasion Day, please pay the rent. If you are a white person living in the country we now call Australia, there's... The organisation pay the rent, but also there's plenty of um, funds that you can donate to on GoFundMe. We can include a few in the show notes. We will include a few in the show notes. And, yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Make sure that you aren't just sharing things on social media, which I think is still an important thing to do for education and awareness, but also enacting change in some way. Mm yeah like challenge your mates yeah
1: um loud angry and not sorry on our facebook page we've also got uh, um the pyramid of allyship or whatever it's called and there's a heap of uh indigenous and black resources there as well Mm -hmm. to help you unlearn any racism any colonialism or anything like that that you might have picked up in your life uh stephanie would you like to tell us about What's happening in
2: Ireland? Okay, so one thing that we missed last week. The report into the mother and baby homes um, investigation was actually published uh, two weeks ago. And it is just absolutely devastating what came out of it. Horrifying. And the report is absolutely ridiculously shocking much like our Mm -hmm. Royal Commission into Child Sex Abuse was. But what's not actually contained in the report is even worse. Irish feminists uh, are not happy with the result. It was an investigation into 18 institutions out of about 120. Oh, it what? was a very small selection of, of that
1: is not an mm. adequate. That's that's size. not
2: an investigation. Um, one of the complaints that no. many many of the survivors are making <laughs> is that the entire commission favours the perpetrators. What what is interest? What is really good for the Irish government to be acknowledging is actually saying out loud that Irish society was misogynistic at that time and just going mm-hmm. from when to when. <laughs> another, another truly disappointing um, aspect of this report and the commentary that's come after it is the complete disregard um, for the church's role in shaping society to let it get that far in the first place. They're going, oh, the church was kind of involved, mm-hmm. um, but this is a societal yeah. problem. Who set that up in the first place? Who imposed those morals on the mm-hmm. Irish people?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: A guy in a white robe and a funny hat. <laughs>
0: I was reading some stuff on this and when I was talking to a friend about it, I was like the infant mortality rate in these mother and baby homes was so much higher than in the rest of society. Isn't it just the most hypocritical thing in the Catholic church that they care so very much about a fetus, but God forbid that fetus enter the world from an, uh, person that they deem to be unworthy of a good Catholic existence, because then, when it's an actual human baby, it doesn't matter anymore.
2: You know, um, 9,000 children died um, in the period that the commission investigated over. Uh, The infant mortality rate was 15%. One in every seven children didn't survive long enough to leave the homes, and it was known to locals and national authority. I just...
0: So it was almost twice that of the national average for, in quotation marks, illegitimate children.
2: I just, I always think back to the babies they found in a well, and I don't know what sums up Catholicism <sighs> better than that. Oh it's my gosh, so sorry. Grim. I've also
0: just found that this one place in Cork, in one year, in 1943, 75% of the babies that came through the home died. Yeah. 75%. Mm. <sighs>
2: Yeah. Catholic Church strikes again. You're right. It is the complete and utter disregard of a of a group of people moralizing about what society should look like and then completely turning that on its head just for appearances. Like the only reason that these these places existed was because of the culture that that the catholic church in ireland had fostered there's a hell of a lot more that we aren't Mm -hmm. discussing here and i think that that's not really for us to i think it's probably better to have irish feminists talk about it specifically like it wasn't just the homes it was the parades of shaming unmarried women through the streets in bridal gowns
1: what Like Game of Thrones style.
2: Yeah, pretty much. God,
1: it's disgusting. And what year was that again, sorry?
2: The commission uh, covered the years from 1922 to
1: 1998. Yeah, this didn't end. uh, Yeah. 98.
2: You know, and this is encompassing. The actual policy itself had things like the Magdalene laundries, which there were some in Melbourne. Like, it's horrific.
0: What's a Magdalene laundry? Sorry, I'm very (laughs) atheist. (laughs) Um, It was another, like, unwed mother's place. A punishment workhouse
2: yeah the women wouldn't be paid for their work they what? would be they would yeah. be um slavery is not quite the word for it but i have no other it's it's the closest fit
1: look we don't need feminism
0: as they've said That's after disgusting. this report there was a period of misogyny up until 1998 it's fixed they fixed it <laughs> post-report There's no more misogyny. We did have misogyny, but in the last... We We control X'd the misogyny and it's gone now. Yeah, in the last not even 20 years, they solved it.
2: Some of this stuff, you just read it and going,
0: yeah, violent, let's do it. Mm-hmm.
2: Let's go burn some shit down.
0: You know, I have a bit of a history of researching birth and experiences of birth. Some of the things I was reading in those reports, the way that the people were treated after they'd given birth, it's absolutely heart-wrenching. And importantly, something that we're not separate from. Just because we're talking about this thing that happened in Ireland doesn't mean that those same ideals haven't been carried over to Australia.
2: Oh, they were though.
1: No, well, like you said, there was one of those... Mm-hmm. the the washhouse things here.
2: I think they were in Footscray. There was the Abbotsford Convent. That
1: was a Magdalen laundry. Yep. I have very expensive coffee there.
2: Uh built in 1880s and mo- and oh um, modified in 1905 and 1907 and in the 1920s. Uh they are thought to be amongst the few surviving and relatively intact examples of a Magdalen laundry anywhere in the world. Magdalen asylums like the one at the Abbotsford Convent grew out of the rescue movement. Everyone involved in the rescue movement just needs to have an aneurysm.
1: Yeah collective aneurysm
2: my cousin's sister this sounds like a friend of a friend no but my cousin's um sister worked for a organization who i can't name because i do not want to get sued for this that was apparently saving young women in southeast asia from uh, sexual slavery turns out they were selling these kids to a to a sweatshop
1: Ah.
2: and when she found out about it
1: christian values
2: yep she just decided to leave the organization and not tell anyone why I'm sorry, you've just witnessed human trafficking in the organisation that you just worked for. Your so called Christian belief is just to walk away from this?
1: God, God will find a way. The invisible hand of God. <laughs> Hang on there, someone. <laughs> 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 the invisible hand of the free
2: God. I'm so yeah, disappointed. And, and it's the thing of going, you know, like, yeah, sure, this happened in Ireland, but it happens everywhere in the fucking world. Yeah. It's, it yeah. is, unfortunately, yeah. the rescue movement and rescue organizations do absolutely nothing for anyone apart from lining their own pockets.
1: Yeah. I want to like mm. angry cry. Yeah. I just, I don't know how people with these beliefs like justify this behavior and accept this behavior. Like that cognitive distance, distance, dist- dissonance. <laughs> sorry, I don't know how to talk, but like, I don't, I don't know how they live with themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they sleep at night. Genuinely.
2: Probably because it all comes out in the wash when we all die.
1: <laughs> I fucking hope it's the unwed mothers doing the laundry that day. Fuck. Anyway, um, so moving on from that heartwarming story onto another heartwarming story. Content warnings for more mentions of uh, child abuse, child sex abuse, rape and assault. I will pop some time codes in so that people can skip what they need to skip. But former Melbourne high school principal, Melka Leifer,
2: And Under normal circumstances, I, uh, you know, like I like pronouncing people's names correctly. Not for this monster.
1: <laughs> so Malka Lifer is extradited from Israel to face trial for seventy-four counts of child sex abuse from 2003 or 2004 to 2008. These charges include multiple counts of rape, indecent assault, willfully commit an indecent act with a child under her care, supervision or authority, and sexual penetration of a child under her care. She's just... What's it called, Steph? She's had her first sort of hearing today. Is that right? The first bit. And she's not been given bail. Or Uh, she didn't even apply for bail. Yeah, the
2: moment she was extradited is the moment that I just went, I... I'm gonna have to switch off of this This is only three victims That have come forward How many more are there?
1: Yeah Look I mean obviously The 74 counts Are just from I, mm. I believe From these three Victim survivors Yeah And honestly Like my heart Just yeah. goes out to them And their families I'll pop some more links Into the show notes So that you can follow it If you want We will try and keep Folk updated But also I don't know We're not we're, we're more about Discussing systems of power And that sort of stuff As opposed to actually Being like a reporting mm. On the news show So so I don't know how particularly helpful it will be to um, for us to do like blow-by-blows every week. Like I don't know if that will be re-traumatising or, you know, but if we have something exceptional to say on it, we will, we'll talk about it. But at the moment it's just good that these victim survivors are, are hopefully going to see some sort of justice. If you're um, under any stress or you're feeling overwhelmed or you need some extra support at this time, uh, you can get in, in touch with QLife on 1800 184. 527 or 1800 respect just to get that extra it's so really depressing is there anything positive that's happening is there anything good what are good things that are happening i feel like i need like a care bear moment i don't know
0: let's let's have a little search
1: maybe we can just do like personal good news what's some good news because like i enrolled for tafe for today nice yeah that's really funny there's a course that's called like how to use like like artificial intelligence or something like that. And I'm just like, well, clearly I used to think that maybe I was on a list, but if they're letting me do this, I'm like, clearly I'm not on the list. So I'm well, they're good. hoping
2: that you are that good at it. That they can use it.
1: I'm going to get co-opted by the CIA. What about, what about you, Steph? Good news.
2: We didn't get blown away by one cyclone. <laughs>
1: Hooray. All right. Fingers crossed for the next one. And Kylie, good news. Um, I saw
0: a cute dog today on a walk and I'm just... I love it when you call me a dog. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know, just readjusting to life in Nam is really nice at the moment, being back in my apartment and getting to see all my friends Really lovely. I'm feeling quite content at the moment. So as you may have noticed, we have Steph with us again this week after her guest spot on our news coverage of the end of 2020 and the start of 2021. So after our Turf Wars episode, Steph got in touch with us to talk to us a bit about um, or give us some feedback on going deeper into why JK is such a shit cunt and why... Uh, transphobia is so harmful, especially on public platforms.
2: It's not so much that anyone has a problem with you with you calling her out. It's more there are specific things, the specific dog whistles that she was using, referring to the desistance rate in small children. The Oh, but most of them grow out of it is actually based on a study that included sub threshold candidates in it. It's a misrepresentation of, of studies, and then applying them to real world people that is a bit of an issue. Um, you know, she also says things like, for example, you know, I don't hate trans people, um, I support trans women, blah blah blah. But safe spaces, and then refers to male pattern of criminality that comes from a misinterpreted study from um, Sweden that again she misinterprets the study in order to to one thing when the study says something different which we might get into later we'll see how much time we've got <laughs> um but also the fact that essentially most of her railing is very creepy against trans men you know and it's the dog whistle mm. not many people would have actually heard but a hell of a lot of trans men did and a hell of a lot of turfs did mm. you know this idea that essentially lesbians are butch lesbians are being trans. i just
0: i didn't know it was a verb but there you go
2: yeah the things you can do with the uh the oh. english language Transgenderism.
1: The things you can do when you don't actually care about facts.
2: Yeah, there's that. You know, like the word transgenderism. I can't even with that word. I hate it so much because it's not a word. It's an. It's. Yeah. It is an instant dog whistle yeah i'm about to hear the same gender essentialist bullshit that gay people have been hearing i got it as a queer kid all through the 90s Mm -hmm. you know it's not it's not bigotry it's biology yeah that was Mm -hmm. that was the seatbelt ad from the postal survey actually says it's not bigotry it's biology and then having transphobes turn around and say the exact same thing without a hint a flicker of recognition that this is the exact same argument that was used against lgb people Mm,
1: yeah
2: so i mean it's not that anyone's got an issue with with calling the wizard lady out. It's more just remember that there are things that you're not going to hear that we do. Yeah, You know, these are very specific yeah. dog whistles. I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole she actually has gone. I know that she spent a lot of time reading the ramblings of a woman named Magdalene Burns, who spent a huge amount of time comparing, presenting as femme with blackface. Whoa. That George Soros was funding the entire transgender movement and Ooh. the massive, massive anti-Semitic yeah. dog whistles left, right and centre.
1: How much money do people think George Soros has, seriously? I've never
2: received a cheque. I want my cheque, damn it. <laughs> No,
1: I was supposed to get one for being, like, an anarchist commie slut or whatever the fuck they call me. Like, Well, I've
2: been, I've been doing this for years, you know. I should be able to afford new tits with all of the money that Soros owes me. Back <laughs>
1: <pay>. Yep. <laughs> Where's my back pay? wonder, what could, could you call them? George boobies? George-ubies? Georgicals? <laughs> I don't know. Be delightful.
2: So... You know, sex essentialism or biological essentialism is the belief that it is the... See, people use genes inappropriately for this, and they also then use chromosomes inappropriately for this, and it really rubs me the wrong way. But essentially, you're born, and you have particular characteristics that are immutable, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And this has been used through eugenics. Actually, I have a quote from a Catholic theologian. It may be argued that there is a strong convergence between radical feminists and contemporary Catholic scholars on at least nine points or ideas. A Catholic scholar actually sat down and wrote that. Like, to sum, to sum up most people's view of biological essentialism, this is from Catholics, um, neither men nor women can exist totally free. Both are subdued to biological limitations, in brackets, sex, intellect, death, etc. Social limitations, in brackets, liberty of the other, and locational limitations, impossible to live outside of the earth or its vicinity nobody can escape this without destroying himself men and women are genetically physically and psychologically different and this is in a complementary way and i really feel like we should have to take a shower after that yeah. um
1: like complementary to who
2: god's plan or something
1: <laughs> and who wrote this which gender wrote this do you reckon <laughs> Like, who, who, is this, who is this doctrine actually serving? And do people really believe this shit? Like, yeah. Like, come on.
2: I hate to shit over evolutionary biologists and psychologists. But, yeah, they believe this shit. I'm... Which, ah, uh, it's, this, it's this idea of, of reinforcing intelligent design. And, <laughs> you know, in, I always found it funny that in physics circles, um, yeah, it's based around this idea of, of intelligent design, complementarianism. Other people know it as natural law. A phrase that makes my skin crawl, which is basically Catholic guilt and blaming (gasps) Eve for original sin or something. Yeah. And it it promotes this idea that essentially men are just biologically designed, the key word that they're being designed, um, better at all things. And that Mm. the only thing that women are good for is making babies. And for sex, apparently.
0: (laughs) Have these people met men? Because, like... One of my favourite, and my favourite, I mean, it's just, it's one of the least traumatic cherries from my high school that stays in my brain, is when we were told that um, after the original sin, after Eve ate the apple and ruined everything for everyone, um, her punishment that was then carried down through all women was period pain and the pain of childbirth. And for Adam, what he carried on to all men. <laughs> Was lust, and I was like, "So, so why do I have both?"
2: But you know, like as a as a completely side note, but very important thing is that there's still massive debate within psychology and various offshoots, and and I'm trying very hard not to crap on people today. Um, but the idea that essentially that women have a sexuality, Michael Bailey, (laughs) they're debating it. Yeah, Michael Bailey apparently proved that bisexuals exist
1: last year. What a hero! What a guy. I always, like, I know this isn't how this happened, but I always think of, like, Isaac Newton discovering um, gravity. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it didn't exist before then. What?
0: <laughs> or, oh, like, a bisexual fell on his head out of a tree. <laughs> he
1: was sat under a tree. Look, it kind of happened for me that way as well, so it's fine. <laughs> Where is this tree? Oh, fuck. Sorry. Sorry, Steph, you're trying it like, Steph's, like, all, like, knowledgeable and shit. And um, just, like... <laughs> I
2: could I could go into a heck of a lot more more detail about this. Um, but essentially, I can sum it up with just Janice Raymond. She's a fucking weirdo. She literally wrote that essentially that equality can't exist between men and women. And if you were to have 100 political representat- uh, representatives and 50 of them were women and um, and 50 of them men, the men would still dominate them just purely because they're men and was implying some form of male energy and that masculinity is a real thing and that femininity only exists as a construct that men created. No, she's not. And I will get to the, why. I will get to something (laughs) that essentially you won't believe because it's so out there um, in a second, but (laughs) you know, and she, she hates and others. She's particularly venomous towards non-binary people, um, and gender non-conforming people. I'm 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 upset that essentially most people don't get it get to choose their name, or at least never think to choose their name.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would call my, if I could rename myself because I've been thinking about giving myself a new second name. Because at the ma- at the moment I go by my ex-husband's name, his surname, because I hate my maiden name and I hate the word maiden name as well. And so I'm like, should I change my surname? What should I change it to? I'm just like, what? What would you ch- like? What can like? Do I just get rid of it? Do it? Can, can my surname just be fart noise? Like what? <laughs> I
2: don't think it could be fart <laughs> noise. <am> I, getting... <laughs> I think there's a Leno and Woodley joke about uh, name about having your name as the sound of the wind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, imagine though, like it would just be like, um, excuse me. Uh, I've got a 12 o'clock appointment for Leah. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Sorry, Steph, you are about to say something really important and serious. Uh,
2: Look, after (laughs) after the intro, I'm trying very hard not to. Um, (laughs) but basically, yeah, so there is a, there is a hatred of, of, uh, Androgyny and non binary people. And it's really funny because essentially, the, um, the, one of the transphobic arguments is that essentially, uh, trans people are, are transing butchers, as in there's no more butch lesbians anymore, which, A, bullshit. I know so many butchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, Janice Raymond and Sheila Jeffries and uh, Mary Daly went hard against, against butch lesbians. Some of them even hated femme lesbians. Sheila Jeffries, for example. Let's just actually... Let's let Sheila tell us about lesbians in her own words, shall we? The lesbian is a product of a particular historical moment. In the creation of heterosexuality as a political institution, lesbianism was squeezed out. Lesbians are both the independent woman who um, refuse heterosexuality and the frightening other who can be used to drive women into the heterosexual fold lesbianism needs to exist now to provide a refuge for those women who rebel and as the basis of movement for social change. Gets better. <laughs> as if that wasn't bad enough. She goes on to talk about the deconstruction of identity and a few other bits and pieces and about um, this phrase, I hate it, making political action difficult since, since people determinately unsure of who and what they are. Do not make a powerful revolutionary force. Fuck you, Sheila Jeffries. Um, but finishes with... But in the future, when women's oppression no longer exists and heterosexuality as a political institution no longer plays a crucial political role, the possibilities um, open to women are likely to be different. Which is true, but literally implying that lesbianism is a product of patriarchy. And it's like... And you see the same argument that's used with trans people about going, if society wasn't as heavily gendered, would trans people feel the need to transition? And what would they be transitioning from and to? I don't actually have an answer because that's just a ridiculous question. It's like asking where does the white go when the snow melts, but then expecting a, a real answer to that question. It's like, no, my, I don't know why my brain has a body map that is different to the body that developed. And leaving aside the intersex variations, which l- led to some very interesting moments in puberty, um, there are things that I am changing about my body in order for it to feel better. I don't know 100% what those things are. I'm trying to work them out. But it has nothing to do with the trope that t- transphobes are using—a looking like a Barbie doll. Fuck that. I'm Dutch. I come from good, good Dutch peasant stock. We're good, we're tall, and we look like we've run into parked cars.
1: Stephanie! Stephanie! You take that back. You're beautiful.
2: On a personal... On a personal... But on a personal note, you know, like the discussions around um, feminising facial surgery for, for me, it's the kind of thing of going... The last time I approached somebody about it, I brought, uh, I brought photos of my mum and my aunties and cousins and basically going, I don't want to look like I don't belong in the family. Like for better or worse, like I don't know what I don't yeah. like about my face, but yeah. I still want to look like I belong in this weird ass family. I
1: um, <laughs> See, I hate those kind of arguments because it, they're reductive and they're, they're, they're. It's a nothing argument. It's like there are there are cis women who are literally trying to look like Barbies. Like, I mean, literally as in like, remember that Russian woman who did all that plastic surgery and she looks like a living, like a a living Barbie doll. Like, and she did that on purpose. Let people live. What's it actually Mm. got to do with you? How someone chooses to present. It's,
2: it's attempting to turn a, I don't like this into a argument that sounds like you're trying to make a logical point. You know, most of it boils down to going, I would never do that. So therefore you shouldn't either.
1: And I know this is gonna shock everyone. It's deeply rooted in misogyny. Pretty them women can still be smart intellectual people. Like we can we. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Barbie type. Oh my god. I just fell over. <laughs> women as a whole can present and do whatever the fuck they want and our value shouldn't be measured by how we look. I cannot wait until I get like proper old and like people stop looking at me in a sexual way. And then maybe they might take me seriously.
0: No, they don't. Then they just, you don't exist anymore. Then you're invisible.
1: Oh, I've just, because I'm not there Mm. to be fucked. I'm quite
0: loud though, so I'll
1: probably still make myself heard. But yeah.
2: Which kind of actually brings us towards the next point of that, of going, well, you know. um, So yeah, trying to keep this somewhat around the term um, of biological essentialism um, and where this belief system comes from. It's, It's going, well then... You know, what should women do? Where does their power lie and all this, this stuff? And I should point out, because um, I have forgotten, one of the key beliefs is that women are oppressed because of their sex or their, their sexual characteristics. I'm intersex, I have a uterus. That has not held me back in any way, shape or form. So are we now going to say that a uterus is a, um, is a non-gendered <laughs> organ? I mean, it isn't because we all have the genes for one. It's going, yeah. I've got a dick and a uterus. So, which one's masculine? Which one's feminine?
0: Yeah, <laughs> which one is the reason I got the last job? Which which one held me yeah, back from or, or getting more, a job? Going, yeah. going,
2: We can always tell. So, does that mean that I have a feminine dick, or do I have a masculine uterus? Mm-hmm. All of these definitions of what makes a woman. Let's be honest: the people wolf whistling you in the street mm-hmm. don't know your karyotype. They don't know what chromosomes you have. They don't know. They don't know whether or not you've got. Um, ovaries or not (gasps) yeah you know most of the indirect discrimination that women experience is assumptions made about fertility Hmm. Mm -hmm. there was that time in the public service where unmarried women were valued in the public service they were um, actively sought out in order to make the Mm -hmm. public service look good when they got married however they found themselves being pushed out of the organization because it was assumed that they would mm-hmm. go on ha- off and often have children and they would have too many responsibilities yeah. at home. As far as I'm aware, the public service did not do fertility tests on incoming women into the organization. It's not direct discrimination. It is indirect discrimination. It's mm. structural, structural assumptions about women. They don't have to be based in truth. So saying that mm. is that, that oppression is rooted in sex. Look, you know, uh, there are issues around the world that are directly related to reproductive function that, that are a basis for oppression, menstrual huts in parts of South, of South Asia and about the cultural stigma around menstruation, general mutilation and the re- and yes. trying not to get too deep into this. Um, but you know like those are definitely those definitely do have a basis of biological sex. But the 99% of the other stuff that we deal with on a daily basis, nobody's asking karyotype Chi- for that. Nobody's doing a fertility test. It's like receiving homophobic um, slurs on the street. Just saying, oh, but I'm bi. It's not going to cause that person to go, oh, I'm sorry, I was mistaken. Bi people are cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so just to be clear, these are these arguments are based in sex, but like the discrimination you're talking about is based in cultural constructions of gender, right?
2: And when, you know, like um, the common rallying cry that, transphobes use is sex, not gender. Yeah. I, again, who is who is performing these um, fertility tests on random people in the street? to determine whether or not the, the abuse that they suffered is actually misogynistic or not.
0: And like the irony of acknowledging gender is a huge part of this conversation and being like, no, no, that's not what we're here for.
2: If If, if biological sex is the basis for oppression for all women, then what the fuck are we all doing? We're wasting our time because essentially, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say, because um, it is entirely possible to change sex. I won't go into all of the, um, you know, like the radio ablation of Fox L2 to turn ovaries into testes or the deactivation of DMART to turn testes into ovaries. Genes are fun. Yeah. Um, or anything to do with the Sox9 sex reversal pathway. Even if the technology was available to change sex, they still wouldn't let you do it. They won't let you change your biology to get around this oppression.
0: Sorry, can I just... Who's, who's the they in this?
2: More the patriarchy. Let's celebrate the fact that essentially there's been a penis grown in a lab that's been transplanted onto... A, granted, it was a rabbit, but the, the principle remains the same. Still a mam- mammal's penis has been transplanted back yep. onto the mm. rabbit, and that rabbit has gone on to do the deed. Also, yeah. the vaginas were grown in a lab. And transplanted successfully into um, into people.
1: Can they please grow eyes? I need some I new am. eyes.
2: I will it's let somebody else selfish. do that because essentially I can't stand eyes. And eyes in a jar would just be freaky as fuck. <laughs> like imagine walking into a lab and it's all eyes. All eyes on you. Do they, fo- <laughs> do they follow you around the room?
1: My eyes. My <laughs> eyes don't follow anything around the room. They're so fucking blind. I couldn't. I'm. I'm I can't find my headphones in my house and I think it's because my headphones are black and oh. they sound something black and I just can't find I, them.
2: Yeah, but, but you know, growing eyes is the thing that essentially we hope that with regenerative medicine that we will get to at some point. Even if I had the lab and paying millions of dollars, it would freak me the fuck out and I couldn't do it. <laughs> Eyeballs. <laughs> something weird about them. <laughs>
0: I don't think I could walk into a room with jars of any body part, personally, but I love that science is doing it.
2: Essentially, no matter how far science advances, there are always going to be transphobes picking up the goalposts, running away with them, saying it's not good enough. Because, you know, they need this argument mm. to, to hold. Yeah. I don't know why.
1: Because it maintains their idea of what society and what gender should look like. So they're not going to actually care about like what argument you present what you study is going to come out. It's
2: maintaining the proximity to power under the patriarchy. You know, their idea of feminism is not about um, about equality. It is, a, it is literally about maintaining the position that proximity to the top of, of the patriarchy gives mm-hmm. them. Yeah.
1: Maintaining their own safety. Well,
2: more their proximity and access to power. I mean, White Women's Tears is a classic mm. example of being able to deploy almost the full weight of the patriarchy against your enemies. Yeah. Why do they make it sound so Yeah, no, metal? absolutely.
1: But th- they they do that in order to, to keep themselves safe. and like. But also
2: to hurt. Know. I mean, we we ignore.
1: Mm. Do you think that's an intentional thing is the hurting isn't like they go out to hurt or they see that as like a necessary uh, Carly, thing? Carly,
2: old women in the church yielding massive amounts of power against younger women. Have you seen it?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but is this...
0: Yeah.
2: My experience with it has been twofold. It has literally been to basically old women who have massive amounts of power against young impressionable people without the ability to fight back. Um, so some of it is about keeping the community in line. Um, and some of it is literally is literal cruelty for the sake of cruelty.
1: Is that trauma-driven? Sorry, like I just... I'm, I'm trying to understand... I believe that if you understand the hows and the whys that people engage in this kind of behaviour, that's where the mm. work can be done. So if you can figure out their motivation for behaviour, then you can actually engage. Oh, with some absolutely! Of these Except
2: I don't think the work's been done on it. I don't think there's any serious academic work that has been.
1: It doesn't have to be academic, though. Like I just mean, like in the community, and when we're talking to people.
0: So there was something I studied in when I was looking at theories of masculinities that I think kind of applies here. And it was, uh, I was looking at what's called what they dubbed peripheral masculinities. So you have the most powerful masculinities in the center, which are incredibly um, masculine, sporty, muscular, large men who tick all those boxes of what we perceive to be like, peak masculinity, the most masculine. And then you have peripheral masculinities where um, you've got groups of people who tick some of those powerful boxes, but not all of them. And then, of course, when we bring intersectionality in it, you have affluent white middle-class men who then also tick the boxes of masculinity in the middle. And then you have peripheries. So uh, there were – the conversations that I was looking at were around uh, like – nerd men identities and how they exist on the periphery and so they can be some of the worst at upholding the patriarchy because they are so close to being at the top that they have to make sure that they keep the people below them lower to maintain the small amount of power they do have because they know if they let that go, they fall down to the bottom. And it kind of feels like a similar thing here. Like, yeah, with it's people yeah people clutching at the power they can have and they're unwilling to let that go because it's like a metaphorical free fall when they're not willing to open their eyes up to the fact that below them there's actually a reconstruction of everything that they're afraid of Mm -hmm. but when you have these um women who like carry out the policing of femininity on other women feels like something like that yeah 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 it's interesting
1: is that what you're trying to say? Ste- is that what you're saying, Steph? Or is that different to what
2: you're saying? No, it's pretty. That that pretty much covers it. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat>
1: <laughs> yeah, I <don't> do.
2: <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny that that we come up with some pretty interesting theories on why people are just bastards. You know, and yeah, that's not to criti- That's not yep. a criticism of anything. It's just more we spend so much time trying to understand the perpetrator and not the victim. And again, it's that mother and um mother and babies home thing that just popped back in and it's the Royal Commission into um, sexual assault and the number of cis women who actually committed a truly horrific acts of violence against people and the academic literature and, and mm-hmm. they're going, we don't really understand women who are predators yeah, of course you don't. You've never <laughs> studied them because essentially women don't have that, mm. you know, it's that biological essentialism comes back into it, going women can't be predators, mm. women are mothers. Mm-hmm. They're caring, they're, um, they're caretakers, they're homemakers, they're all of these things. They're not predators, that's what men are for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and to be fair, the vast majority of predators are men. And it's it's a really unhelpful narrative as well, like especially when you talk mm. about, Malka lifer leifer the monster yeah malca monster um you run the risk of like the mras coming out and being like look women do it too and like but the thing mm. is is the feminists have never said that women don't have the capacity to assault and to abuse mm. you know like hannah gatsby says they don't have the men don't have the monopoly on emotions or on being horrible or on being traumatised or re-traumatising or causing harm. Like, of course we can. And that's not what, you know, the feminist movement is about. Is like, it makes it difficult for us to have open and honest conversations about women who are abusive and abusers because we don't want it to fit into that MRA narrative, but we also shouldn't be hiding these conversations either.
2: Absolutely. Just everyone's a bastard. Just in different ways. <laughs> so basically, so basically, um, between Raymond Jeffries and and Dally, um, they both present. They both suggested varying different degrees for um, how women should just deal with the patriarchy. Um, and so one of them, which is I think more of uh, more of Sheila Jeffries' personal favorite, is literally to become separatists, to isolate women away from men um basically because Mary Daly and Janice Rabin are also Catholic which is relevant because they basically suggest becoming nuns living a living a convent oh, yes. lifestyle but going out and doing it somewhere else away from men which basically what, isolating what? yourself i i think it was Sheila Jeffries who also suggested that um that heterosexual sex was uh, basically rape anyway
1: yeah uh, yeah
2: Marriage was rape, yeah. um marriage was patriarchal which it is I like, nobody's saying that, that marriage isn't a shitty institution. It's just more about saying I just I can't what is it with philosophers?
1: It it falls back into that whole thing you were saying before about like I don't like but it. But what is so it about philosophers
2: like it? who just can't imagine the mm. idea of women having orgasms?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a whole Freudian situation. Where does that I swear come from? Like I don't yeah. Like well, probably for ages, women didn't come because men didn't know where the clit was for, like, ages. And it wasn't until we got, like, rabbit vibrators that we were just like, oh, this is what it's like.
2: Most rad femme theory, or at least the stuff that I've read, resonates with the um with the Christian upbringing that I had um that basically doesn't see women's sexuality or sexual pleasure as anything that... It doesn't even necessarily say that it's bad. It just refuses to accept that it exists.
1: And why does yeah. it keeps going? Oh, babe, I've got some news for you, Sheila.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, so <clears throat> literally, literally refers to heterosexual sex as, as sometimes as rape and as patriarchal and all of this. And then there was that whole business with the sex wars. That isn't that isn't one for me to talk about. Some queer sex workers will be will will take you down that rabbit hole, and it will be mind blowing in a bad way
1: yeah i was gonna say i can't wait it's uh,
2: <laughs> basically radical feminism has has gone and done uh, shat the bed twice one on the sex wars and the other on um lavender menace so second wave feminists thought that it would be a good idea to yeah distance themselves from lesbians and rad radfems kind of fit into that again conversation for another day um and with people who, who can take you down a much more visceral journey of how that all went down, which also, there are parts of it that are trans history as well, including Janice Raymond uh, trying to whip up transphobes to go and violently storm a recording studio where a woman, a trans woman by the name of Sandy Stone worked. Um, it was, it had got so bad that essentially they thought that the entire collective of women thought that uh, they were going to be gunned down by transphobes and radical feminists. <sighs> which makes it sound like this is a, this is a big massive problem the n- the number of people we're talking about is so small like radical feminism was so small a mm. portion of feminism that everyone knew each other some the one mm. of the books that I'm getting some of the mm. stuff from from um, Raymond is called the transsexual empire which because Janice Raymond was actively trying to antagonize Sandy Stone yeah she then wrote a response so this called the Empire Strikes Back,
0: <laughs> 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 like
2: radfems and and transphobes try and paint radical feminism as this big, massive, important part of of feminism. It's not. It's so small that essentially people are writing books about each other. Pre Twitter. I I would hate to have seen this. Oh my
1: god, on Twitter. Yeah.
2: The other option that's that is presented is literally for women to submit to the patriarchy because their value is in making babies Hmm. and so you know it's very i don't know what the what the right word is you know it's about finding a you know a good a good husband of good social standing of all of these things you know almost almost selling yourself off in order to try and find a better position in life
1: it's all sounding very jane austen era Yeah. yeah it's like has there actually been progress Like, the fashions have changed, but has our mentality actually changed?
2: No. It's essentially trying to um, maintain position and value around sex and childbirth and putting a price on those things to keep men who, by biology, would otherwise be straying and going off and doing violence and headbutting walls or something. (laughs) I don't actually know what this version of masculinity they have in their heads Is about um, putting a price on sex, as mm-hmm. it were. Which, when you do that, in their minds, in the minds of of some radical feminists, is that you're kind of engaging then in a competition with other women, yeah. Particularly sex workers and mm-hmm. pornography. I don't know where to begin with this, mm. because uh, you know, it, at this point, it should be um, it should be pointed out that. Uh, Sheila Jeffries is one of our own. She was very much against having access to Prostone in Australia. I don't know what that is. Chemical abortion, in a oh, pill. Okay. Take it at home. Yeah. Anyway, Sheila Jeffries actually was heavily involved in the campaign to keep um, RU486, as you might know it as, mm. um, illegal in Australia. She was also, she's also part of an organization <laughs> that thinks IVF is, is evil some forms of contraception are e- uh, evil. Assistive reproductive technology is also evil. And surrogacy is evil. And I know that there's issues with surrogacy. Like, let's not beat around the bush here. It has the potential to be horribly abused. Mm. But altruistic surrogacy does exist. And, you know, one of the things about letting people choose what they do with their body... Surrogacy is kind of like that big... I think that I think that's the top of the mountain for a lot of people. Like, that's the... That's the most extreme example of letting people do whatever they want with their bodies.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I actually think that um, in, like, our feminist agenda, we need to have full bodily autonomy as a priority. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I really do. Yeah.
2: Without, without bodily autonomy, we're yeah. fucked. Yeah. Because then we're inviting the state into discussions about our bodies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and we talk about it around abortion, but we ignore it, or it doesn't get as much attention around everything else. Yeah, um, sex workers have been screaming for decades. Government interference, criminalisation, um, uh, partial decriminalisation. What was the phrase? Asymmetrical policing. Of oh, the
1: asymmetrical bulb. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> asymmetrical um, legalisation, or something like that, or, or and, something. Anti- um... Um,
2: yeah asymmetrical uh, criminalization or, or I think yeah. that was the one yeah. you know <clears throat> if we don't have bodily autonomy we are inviting the state to comment upon what we do, who we are how we're defined bodily autonomy is so important the state should have absolutely no role in any of this
1: no the government should just literally be making sure that's, that you know the fucking trains run that everyone has money and that everyone has food <gasps> that the, you know, the, the, the wealth is redistributed. The state has so much power over our lives. I just, I feel like it's that sort of, what's the thing called with the boiling in the kettle or whatever it is, the pot, the oh, frog, frog in, the in the kettle. What? Frog, the frog, in, the frog in a
2: slowly <laughs> boiling pot. Yeah. Like,
1: it's just, it, the state has too much, and I'm not talking about nanny states. No, oh, they've got laws. I'm talking about literal, like, if you want to get an abortion after a certain time, you have to go and sit in front of a board of people and convince them that, like, I don't want to have this in my body anymore.
2: Forced sterilisation is still the law in Queensland for trans people.
1: Uh, working in mental health in community mental health, um, we don't call it sterilisation, but we do enforce, like, um, you know, when someone's under the Mental Health Act yeah. and they are forced to have medications. That includes... Um,
2: Chemical sterilisation.
1: Yeah. It's it's abhorrent. Yeah, it's absolutely abhorrent.
2: I will never forget the day that I had to look my psychiatrist in the eye, who's now one of a team of fourteen medical professionals I've seen over the past, I don't even know how long, um, and tell them that essentially, I actually don't give a shit about what my imaginary boyfriend would think about me having lower surgery. Mm
0: -hmm. But this,
2: but this was done as a requirement by the state and it's just this bullshit like yeah. I, what I 1950s know...
1: nonsense is this like seriously
2: yeah I mean I know mine is a more extreme example and it's very politicised at the moment particularly in the wake of the Bell case um, but I don't understand how people don't grasp that inviting the state into that level of detail into your lives never ends well for anyone
0: and that's what's so interesting about like this competition that's been set up and how um you were describing all of the things that um the Sheila Jeffries and Co don't like is so antiquated, like I know you said earlier the comment from um the Catholic Church about the commonalities between them and radfems, but I genuinely feel like I'm back. In high school, like, I have the – I can't even remember what he was called. Chaplain. The chaplain's at the front of the hall and he's telling us what to do with our bodies and what's okay and what's not okay. It's literally what how, how it feels. Like, everything they're anti is exactly the same as, like, these such
1: antiquated ideals – and really not comfortable with a chaplain telling young women and young men what they can and can't do with their bodies after, you know, their own personal histories, for fuck's sake.
0: Um. As an aside, we once had a uh, person come in to like, so our school was obsessed with teaching us no sex before marriage. It's basically all we got taught from like year eight to year 12, maybe. Um, And this guy came in and he was like, I went to school and I was talking to all the kids and he's trying to be like a cool guy. Cause they all try and be cool guys. Um, and I asked, asked everyone in the room. So disgusting. I can only laugh. Cause this was, I heard this when I was like 14. Um, when you meet your future husband or wife, how many sexual partners do you hope they've had? And he was like, every man in that room said zero. So, I hope you all think about that when you're looking for a future husband <laughs> and so then then we had to fill in sheets in our homeroom, and we one of the lines was like, "How many sexual partners do you hope your future husband or wife would have?" And one of my friends wrote three hundred and she got <laughs> she got called in for a counseling appointment, and they were like, "Yeah," and she' was like, "I don't know, I just want them to know what they're doing." <laughs> Like, what an awesome number. Legend. But it comes back to this thing about feeling like value of my body lies in the intactness of my hymen on my wedding night and then my ability to reproduce. Yeah.
2: But not only that, the idea that essentially that you need to be, I I guess you can say, um, I hate the phrase so much, um, sexually pure in order to keep... Your husband, and then, yes. in the, and, and by virtue, keep your place in society and your access to power. Mm. Again, I, I. I'll give like, you an be,
1: access to <clears throat> power. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Sorry.
2: <laughs> I, I, I get accused of not uh, of not understanding radical feminism. I do, on a deep, uh, uh, like visceral level, I understand mm-hmm. it because it is exactly the same as what I grew up with with, with Christianity. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's written by Catholics. It's repackaging patriarchy in feminist language. Yeah. That's not all radical feminists, by the way. I'm talking specifically about the, the... Trans exclusionary radical feminists. Yeah, it got so bad with um with Raymond and her obsession, and I I'm not joking by, about this. By the way, she honestly believes that assistive reproductive reproductive te- um, technology will allow trans women to replace cis women.
0: Why
1: does she feel threatened? Can it replace her? Can we just get rid of her? Can we choose which cis women we erase?
2: Though I'll leave that up to you because that would be <laughs> highly inappropriate and gross for me. No, but she <laughs> she believes that essentially, like womb transplants. First off, you don't you don't transplant those. You grow them in a lab. Thank you very much.
1: How's your science <laughs> now, Sheila?
2: Actually, no. There's a lot of there is so much anxiety that is whipped up amongst turfs to the point where it was they were basically pulling their names out of the organ donor registry because they just did not want they couldn't handle the thought that on the off chance that this might become a thing that um, uterine transplants would be, a, would be accessible to trans women Actual thing And Sheila Jeffries took it so far as to say that If the technology becomes available Men will choose trans women over cis women And that eventually cis women will be replaced by trans women
0: But again, we're like, talking about replaced in the context of men choosing women Like, you have more value than that, Sheila Well, you don't But the other women, <laughs> the other cis women We have more value Even, that's not... Like, I'm I'm even acting like this is yeah, I'm even acting like this is a real argument. It's not a real argument. But it's based in this idea that Arab oh my god, I just that we exist for men. <laughs> and that we exist to be,
1: you know, like paired up with another man. But even like what is the percentage of trans folk in the community?
2: Um, I saw a number um just recently that was suggesting that the number of trans, and this was including non-binary folk as well, that the number of trans and non-binary folk in Australia was actually at 3%, which I just went, whoa! But like that's, yeah, exactly. that's
1: less than the percentage of the vote that the big socialists
2: got. I make less of an impact than the number of people who voted for the Victorian socialists. That's rather depressing. <laughs>
1: you make much more of an impact. Uh, but
2: the, number, the numbers that we have around, and it's really hard to get a, a, a definite answer, It seems to be about somewhere between 0.7 and 1.3 percent of the population.
1: Like I don't understand. I don't understand why they have so much hate for such a small, marginalized percentage of the population, and making out like trans folk and gender diverse are going to like suddenly like rise up and like steal our womanhood or whatever the what even the fuck that is. Like, Mm.
2: well, the only other people who cared this much about. About sex and gender, were fucking Nazis.
1: <laughs>
2: Labansporn.
1: T- Turfs keep some good company, hey. <laughs> I mean, like they they do
2: right now, but essentially Labansporn was a thing. Mm. For those, for those at home not not knowing about this, Labansborn was the um, was the I guess you can call it program um, movement direction that um, the duty of Aryan women to bear. Aryan children from Aryan fathers to increase the number of Aryan foot soldiers of the Nazi regime. Coincidentally, um, some of the members of ABBA are a consequence of Lebensborn. (laughs) 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 I I feel so bad for them. Uh, Obviously, I do feel very bad for their mothers as well, but where to begin with that? Uh, but, yeah, the, but this is the, the the only other people who have been obsessed. Fucking Nazis. Like, that, and that's not hyperbole. I think the Catholic Church has only been partially obs- as obsessed for the last, probably, maybe 50 years or so. Like, they were more interested in keeping women. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, <coughs> jokes about priests and... and and wanting to stay away from women because they're icky. But there's, there does seem to be a lot. There does seem Ooh. to be a desire to keep women out of the Catholic Church, not because they're women, but because men are scared of them.
1: But but the Catholic oh, Church that's
2: funny. have never been anywhere near this obsessed until they realised that they could they could. They could infiltrate feminism by pretending to be feminists, you know? Um.
1: Yeah. Um, something about the fucking, the um, ERA, the Equal Rights Act, in America in the 70s. And in how the United States. And how Phyllis, Schla- uh, American, Phyllis um, used, like, conservative Christian groups to sort of rally against the Equal, equal Rights Amendments.
2: Oh, where to begin with that? Because essentially it is some of the exact same arguments. It is women will lose their bathrooms. Unisex bathrooms will replace all bathrooms. Sports, (laughs) the legal definition of of women will will be changed. It is exactly the same arguments it is the same recycled Mm. bullshit that happens over and over and over again happens so often and it keeps getting repeated and it's Mm. rinse and cycle and repeat rinse and repeat Mm. rinse and repeat rinse and repeat yeah
0: that's why it's so important like you said that we stop focusing on the oppressors and we focus on the people who are living these experiences because when we value those voices, then we remember and we learn, hopefully.
1: Mm. Like turfs do pose a lot of these arguments that sound very scientific and very meaningful, but when you scratch the uh-huh. surface, they're, they're saying nothing or they're misrepresenting um, an article or they're misrepresenting an argument or a... A research paper or whatever and just making up whatever they want to fit their own narrative um so i think it's important that we sort of call that out but also like yeah absolutely we need to be prioritizing the voices of of trans and gender diverse people of you know the gay and the queer community and empowering each other and letting each other know that we don't believe this rubbish and just i don't know i think it's good to have a balance of like supportive and empowering community as mm. well as, and this is why it's wrong. Yeah?
2: I will bring this up only because yeah. I'm not sure how many people are aware of it. Um, and it goes to the, the whole thing of, of we kind of do need to be a heck of a lot more organized and united. Because mm. this, this goes to a particular thing. Mm. Uh, so those not in Christian circles or adjacent to them will have no idea what the Family Research Council is. Or, um, or the various um, pro-family conferences and summits and various things that exist to preserve the modern family whatever the fuck that is why though
0: that's a tv show (laughs) (laughs) terrible um yeah back in 2017
2: the family research council had a values voter summit so this is pretty much the who's who of, of christian political people all together in the one spot we know that these people have been very anti-LGBT as a whole and very anti-women as a whole and anti-abortion and anti-bodily autonomy and all of this stuff. Let's bring in Meg Kilgamon, who literally decided that the best... And this is after um, the Oberfeld decision for marriage equality in in the United States. So let's give some context here. Gay marriage has been won in the United States and they're looking at how to move forward with their hatred, for want of a better term, <laughs> Meg Kil- Kilgaman, um gives a presentation. I'm just going to read one, one passage of it, and then go back to the three points that she made for it, going, The feminists make eloquent arguments that gender identity really is the ultimate misogyny in the erasure of women, and lesbians in the group are concerned that trans and masculine girls is a form of lesbian eugenics. There's another quote in there... Where she's basically co-opting the language of feminism mm. and saying that, and saying that we we need to use that. It literally says cloaking themselves into in the language of feminism.
0: Ugh. Yeah. So predatory.
2: It is. Um, you know with other other things that she said at this particular um, comf- at this particular summit was you know trans and gender identity are a tough sell, so focus on gender identity to divide and conquer. Gender identity on its own is a bridge too far. If we separate the T from the alphabet soup, we will have more success. Explain that gender identity rights come uh, only come at the expense of others. Women, sexual assault survivors, female athletes forced to compete against men and boys, ethnic minorities who culturally value modesty, economically challenged children who face many barriers to educational success and don't need another level of chaos in their lives, children with anxiety disorders, and the list goes on and on. I should point out that in the audience of this particular panel was also Sebastian Gorka and Steve Steve Bannon. Ignoring all of the other stuff, Talking about um, ethnic minorities who culturally value culturally value modesty. When since when the fuck did you care, care about Muslims? Yeah, like because I'm because I'm used to all of this stuff. That's the part that that annoys me more than anything. Mm. Of going, you banned these people from entering the United States, and now you're pretending to care care about their about how they. You're pretending to care about their modesty just to, just to take a dig at trans people.
0: Just to use the popular rhetoric to try and turn people against someone that they've decided is an enemy who is not. Um, I think we might have to wrap up. Uh,
2: But I should, I should end with essentially like not only does Raymond think that, that trans people are going to replace cis people. She literally wrote in her book, I contend that the problem of transsexualism would best be served by morally mandating it out of existence. This means I want to eliminate the medical and social systems that support transsexualism. Ugh. So when people say that they have legitimate concerns about trans people and they start quoting all of this very particular um, radical mm. feminists and using some of like Raymond's arguments, and that's the end result. Mm. They don't want to make life better. Yeah. Um, she also yeah. is a very big fan of conversion therapy.
0: Oh. Oh. oh,
1: fuck's sake.
2: I know we're supposed to be finishing up, but I'm definitely going to throw it back out to Nina Valens, who um, literally did not give a shit about the Inju card being passed through the Senate. And on the day that it was going through, whinging about the Victorian conversion therapy ban. Yeah. What a what, a,
1: what, a, what a feminist. I know. What on what the day that like it has been
2: yeah. described as the same thing. That yeah. If a partner did this, this would be... Coercive control.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is financial abuse. Yeah, totally.
2: Yep. The government's now now bringing this mm. on to a a not insignificant number of women. It will it will trap them in mm. in situations of domestic and family violence.
1: I mean, obviously, you know, like when it goes to the intersex, we're going to be much more affected. And she does not give a fuck because all she cares about is her own agenda.
2: She cre- started or is. Heavily involved in a group called the Women's...
1: Yeah, oh. the something Guild at Melbourne Uni. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. Uh, women, the Women's Guild Collective or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was a um, part of the group that um that protested out the front.
2: Guild balance. Yeah,
1: it, it, it was good fun. I've got a few signs still from that day. It was really <laughs> yeah, good. The vic- and raised the Victoria... there and wrote a new chant, which was awesome. And we used it with Slutwalk as well, which was, no turfs, no swerfs, no platform for hateful twerps. And it's my favourite one, and I love it so much.
2: It should be on the shirt. Sorry? Should, <laughs>
1: it, should it should be, be on, on a everything. shirt. Yeah. Um, Nina Valens, at least, has been, is no longer on the executive committee in the Greens. They got rid of her.
2: When did they get rid of her?
1: Uh, I think, I believe she's still like a paying member, but she's not on the executive. Uh, that was six months ago. I just made that number up, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Nina is gone from the Greens. Uh, Kathleen Mozart, I believe, is um, – I've been given good intel on the fact that she's actually not as swirfy as she presents. She's not very media savvy, but I've been told from people that I trust a lot. Um, she's not a swerf anymore. She's seen the error of her ways, and I do believe in personal growth and correcting.
2: Oh, if that's the case, then essentially I wish her best of luck in the next election.
1: Yeah, so, you know, fingers crossed good things are actually happening within the Greens Party.
2: Yeah, that's, so that's uh, that
0: sounds promising.
1: Out. Yeah. But thank you so much for
0: your time, Steph. This no has worries. been amazing. So educational. I loved and hated every second that I was taken back into <laughs> high school. And I'm sorry. Yeah, you are so knowledgeable and this has been just so great to learn from you. Thank you so much.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) Always. And yeah, we're looking forward to having you back because I know that there's so much more still to talk about.
2: A jaunty stroll down the history of transmedicalism um, and the weird perverts who controlled it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Fuck. Um, (laughs) Okay. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and conversations similar to this episode, uh, please listen to our back catalog. Like, share, subscribe, comment, boost the algorithm, and essentially trick the system into promoting more feminist voices.
0: Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye.